Welcome back to Rick's Rambles Podcast. It's the week of June 28th, 2021. Hope you're having a great week wherever you are. Let's get started with our fun facts for today. Fun facts. Today's fun facts are all about the classic TV sitcom, Happy Days. Remember that show? I sure do. So here we go, 10 fun facts about Happy Days. Number one, it was supposed to be set in the 1920s, not in the 1950s. When Gary Marshall was first approached by Paramount executives Michael Eisner and Tom Miller in 1971 to create a new sitcom, they wanted it set in the 1920s. But Marshall told them he knew nothing about flappers and gangsters, but he could write a show about the area in which he grew up, the 1950s, and that's how it became set in the 50s. Number two, the series originally was named Cool, C-O-O-L. They showed an episode to test audiences, and they reported that the name Cool made them think of the cigarette brand. Well, the network wanted a a more wholesome family image. Happy Days was suggested, and it stuck. Number three, Fonzie was almost a monkey. When Henry Winker got his call back after his first audition for the role of Arthur Fonzarelli, he was taken aback. When he saw that the other contender was none other than former Monkees drummer Mickey Dolenz. According to Dolenz, Winkler later admitted to him that he had thought to himself, Oh crap, Mickey Dolenz is here. I will never get the part. Dolenz actually was Marshall's original choice to play Fonzie based on the strength of a recent guest appearance he had made on the TV series Adam 12. Remember that show? But at six feet two inches tall, Dolan's towered over five foot nine Ron Howard, so Winkler got the part based on his height. Number four, Henry Winkler struggled to read scripts. Winkler struggled and almost flunked out of school. No matter how hard he applied himself, his German-born parents had a nickname for him, Dummerhund, which means dumb dog. That didn't help his self-esteem. When he was 31, he was diagnosed as being severely dyslexic. He learned to deal with it, and you can see what happened. Number five, John Lennon once visited the set. The cast was surprised one day in 1975 when the former Beatle showed up completely unannounced on the Paramount lot. Julian Lennon was a huge fan of the show, and his dad had brought him to meet the cast. As Anson Williams, who played Potsy, recalled, Lennon was very nice, although almost painfully shy, but he took some time to sign autographs and draw doodles for the various crew members, actors, and staff members, but most of the time was spent showing his son Julian around the set. Number six, many of the names used on the show were inspired by Gary Marshall's real life. Marshall's wife went to school with a kid named Potsy Weber. And Richie Cunningham was a nice boy who attended the same church as Marshall. Number seven, the Fonzie character inspired kids to read. When the show was in its heyday, Gary Marshall was approached to see if the show could be used to help convince kids to read books. It was written into an episode that Fonzie went to the library and checked out a book in spite of his cool reputation and said, everyone is allowed to read. That week, registration for library cards for middle school students went up 500%. Number eight, I had no idea about this. Henry Winkler has a fear of motorcycles. 
So much so that on every riding scene, he was sitting on a motorcycle on a fixed platform and the scenery was moving behind him. Number nine, although he was afraid of motorcycles, he was an avid water skier and did all the skiing in the infamous series of Jump the Shark episodes, with the exception of the actual jump. The insurance company would not allow that. And number 10, Ron Howard nearly turned down the role of Richie Cunningham. Richie is perfectly played by Ron Howard, but Howard initially turned down the role as he didn't want to be typecast as a teenager. Gary Marshall promised Ron Howard that the characters would grow, they would graduate from high school, and go on with their lives, and that's what convinced Ron Howard to take the role. There you have it, 10 fun facts about Happy Days. This week's good news story comes to us courtesy of the Good News Digest, and I really have enjoyed researching this story. For one Wisconsin father of three, being 45 years old and not getting any younger, as he puts it, hasn't stopped him from doing 3,000 push-ups while competing in a marathon, 5,000 more doing a 31-mile trail race, and hopefully scoring a new world record for completing a whopping, are you ready for this, 1.5 million push-ups over the course of a single year. When social worker Nate Carroll launched his mission on June 14, 2020, Flag Day, his motivation was twofold. First, he hoped to teach his children a lesson in the power of perseverance by offering them an example in real time. I wanted to demonstrate to my kids that goals that might seem impossible are really manageable when they're broken down into manageable chunks. But in addition to being a positive role model for his children, Carol was also committed to raising money for a cause in which he truly believes, the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, an organization dedicated to easing the financial burdens for the families of fallen first responders. With a full-time job and shared parental custody, finding the time during his busy schedule to clock thousands of push-ups per day was one of his biggest challenges. To set aside time to do 4,000 push-ups is impossible, he told the Wisconsin State Journal. You have to really make it a priority and be willing to commit to it and embrace the fact that you have to weave it into each and every day. And weave it in, he did, at work, at home, and even while doing chores. When everybody, whenever an opportunity presented itself, he'd drop and give it his all. On June 6, Carroll completed the countdown to his record-breaking goal with a special 50-yard line halftime ceremony during the 48th annual Fun City Bowl at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It was an honor to set a new world record here in New York in front of members of the New York City Police Department, New York City Fire Department, and the Port Authority Police Department, and many other first responders, Carroll said in a statement, issued by the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. I want this record to pay tribute to the sacrifice made by so many heroes during that tragic day. Even though he had already surpassed the previous push-up record, Carroll continued to top off his tally as the final week of the competition year kicked down. In order to claim a new Guinness World Record, ousting the current title after an almost 32-year run, that's amazing, 
Carroll has been diligently documenting his accomplishments both in a logbook and with time-lapse video throughout his year-long odyssey. While he's waiting for Guinness to certify the win, he hasn't lost sight of his original inspiration. Set a goal and go after it, he told us. Make it who you are, not something you do. I love that bit of advice. Make it who you are, not something you do. That way, when it gets tough, when life throws obstacles in your way and offers you convenient excuses to stop or to say it's too difficult, you find a way to persevere, you find a way to endure, and you keep after it. Winning those many battles each day builds strength and shapes one perspective of what life is all about. Symbolizing that with dedication and fortitude, that which falls can rise again. A push-up may be, well, the perfect metaphor for what this amazing dad has achieved. And there you have it, our good news story for today. You already know that I'm a big advocate of trying things you've never tried before, trying new things, and I do that myself. And a couple of weeks ago, I signed up to receive a new short poem every morning in my email. Now, poetry is something that's very new to me. I've never really understood it. I've never really enjoyed it, uh, and I've never really been into it. But I've kind of enjoyed getting these short poems, and I got one the other day that really spoke to me, and I'm going to include it in today's podcast. It's by a fellow by the name of Wendell Berry, and it's called The Peace of Wild Things. When despair in the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least little sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood duck rests in his beauty on the water, and where the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars awaiting the night. And for a time, I rest in grace of the world, and I am free. I so appreciate everybody listening, all your kind words and comments. And if you want to support the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. First of all, simply share it on your social media, wherever you're at. Let folks know what you're listening to. And if you would like to buy me a cup of coffee to financially support the podcast, it's buymeacoffee.com slash Rick Garrett. I will put a link in the show notes. Once again, thank you so, so much. This piece comes as a suggestion from one of my TikTok followers. And by the way, if you have TikTok, you can just look up Rick's Rambles. I have a channel there devoted to music trivia with the occasional dad joke thrown in. So uh, give me a follow with you over there. I would love to be friends with you on the TikTok. So here we go. Ten TV theme songs that became radio hits. Number one, Welcome Back, Cotter. Remember that song? a timeless song written and performed by John Sebastian of The Love and Spoonful in 1976 and went all the way to number one. Number two in 1985, there was another TV theme song that went to number one. It was an instrumental theme song, the only instrumental TV theme song to hit number one. 1985, Miami Vice. Number three, in 1959, the theme for Peter Gunn, Went to number eight. Number four, who remembers I'll Be There For You from the Rembrandts? And of course, that was the theme song 
for Friends in 1994, it went to number 17. And I actually thought it placed higher than that. Number five, who remembers the great Johnny River song, Secret Agent Man? 1966, it hit number three. It was the theme song for a TV series called Secret Agent. Number six, The Ventures, Hawaii Five-0 hit number four in 1969. Number seven, Bonanza. Boy, who can forget the Bonanza theme? 1961, it went to number 19. Number eight, Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs. The Ballad of Jed Clampett, the theme to the Beverly Hillbillies, went to number 44 on the pop charts, but it also went to number one on the country charts. Number nine, oh my gosh, this TV show was so huge for a short while, Batman. Remember that theme? Number 17. And number 10, probably my favorite TV theme song, The Rockford Files in 1975, went to number 10. So there you have it, 10 TV theme songs that hit the pop charts. And it's time to take a look at our special days for this week. Today, Monday, June 28th, is National Tapioca Day. Tuesday, June 29th, is National Camera Day. Wednesday, June the 30th, is National Meteor Day, and it's National Social Media Day. Thursday, July the 1st, International Chicken Wing Day, National Joke Day, and National Ginger Snap Day. Friday, July the 2nd, World UFO Day. Saturday, July the 3rd, National Eat Beans Day. <laughs> and it's National Fried Clams Day. And we'll wrap the week up on Sunday, July the 4th with Independence Day, of course. And it's also National Barbecue Day and National Country Music Day. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Rick's Rambles. Hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. So until next week, be kind to as many people as you can, as often as you can. We'll start right now, and we'll make the world a better place.